Thank you very much, and thanks again to everyone for joining us um, for another call in our series on the 2016 presidential race. We're certainly grateful uh, to everyone that's dialed in, as our um, conference operator said. Questions, comments are always welcome uh, during the course of this call. Just email us at presidentialanalysis at cozen.com. I'm Blake Rutherford, and I'm joined, as always, by Mark Alderman, the chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, and Howard Schweitzer, the managing partner of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Mark Howard, great to be with you guys. Thanks, Blake. We are 34 days away, um, which still seems like an eternity to me. Uh, but we are we are getting closer. We are one presidential debate behind us, which we talked about um, a week or so ago. And we are now the only vice presidential debate behind us. Um, and that's really where I want to begin the conversation. We Last night um, in Virginia, uh, Senator Tim Kaine and Governor Mike Pence uh, took the stage um, to talk about their respective, uh, their respective campaigns, um, the heads of both of their tickets, um, policies and problems that both campaigns have faced. Um, it was an interesting debate insofar as you had um, a lot going on leading up to this debate. Um, we look at it from from the Trump perspective, a really tough week um, heading into this vice presidential debate. Uh, the, the story in the New York Times regarding his 1995 tax returns, the more than $900 million net operating loss that he claimed, which in turn may have resulted in the fact that he has not paid any uh, federal income taxes uh, since, um, so perhaps for as long as nearly 20 years, uh, which put the Trump campaign on its heels. Donald Trump also making some some remarks about the effects of post-traumatic stress disorder on um, men and women in the military returning from combat, which generated a number of negative headlines uh, for him. So a tough environment for the Trump campaign and for Governor Pence coming into this debate. Alternatively, we saw um, the Clinton campaign beginning to see uh, numbers move in their direction. Um, uh, that first debate, which pretty much everyone described as, as not only a big victory for Hillary, but, um, but, but a very bad loss for Trump in terms of seeming presidential. The polls since then would seem to suggest uh, that that was right. Um, she started to see some momentum in key battleground states. I'm going to come back to that. Uh, towards the end of our call, but that's really the stage whereby the, both of these candidates uh, candidates came to Virginia um, to to spend 90 minutes talking about talking about the race. Mark, I want to I want to begin with you. Uh, vice presidential debates every four years, we we debate their consequence. Um, do they really matter? Do people really care? Um, I, what do you think after last night? Is this a vice presidential debate of any real consequence? Well, Blake, I experienced last night's debate the way most Americans did. I didn't watch it. I learned about it secondhand from social media, cable, TV, satellite radio. And my judgment based on everything I heard late last night and this morning about the debate without having seen it is that it almost certainly 
is of no consequence, like almost every vice presidential debate. But there is a potential consequence that is good for Clinton, Kane, bad for Trump, Pence. And that is that all the discussion that I heard last night and this morning about the debate was about Mike Pence and Donald Trump, not about Mike Pence debating Tim Kaine. It was as though Trump were his opponent, and all of the talk was about how he has a different Russian policy than Trump does, and he didn't defend Trump on attack after attack after attack, and he looked and sounded better than Trump did. So if there is any consequence, and I still think almost certainly not, especially with the larger-than-life characters at the top of the ticket, uh, I, I think maybe it's a, a little bad for Trump because people watched a Republican nominee whom they wish were on the top of the ticket. Howard, what do you what do you what do you, what are your takeaways from last night's VP debate? Well, a few. First of all, both of them looked. I actually did watch it, um, and they both looked uncomfortable to me, having to defend the person at the top of the ticket. Uh, I wouldn't have wanted to be either of them doing that, and 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 you know they did what they had to do uh, for the most part, and I, I think came out okay. Um, to me, Tim Kaine looked weak um, and kind of um, like a squeaky school kid. <laughs> I did not think that he acquitted himself particularly well um, in, in, the, in the debate. I don't, think, uh, I don't think he looked particularly presidential. Um, fortunately for Hillary Clinton, that's not going to be the basis for people casting their ballots on, on November 8th. And it, it seems, I think, in most people's view that um, Mike Pence came away, if you look at the debate as a debate, um, winning. But, but my... But it's not high school. It's not high school. That's our theme for <laughs> our call series. It's not high school. And... Um, I think Trump lost last night, is my view. Um, by winning, they lost. I think Mike Pence is, by the way, extreme and conservative as he is. Uh, he looks more like a traditional Republican candidate might look, not appearances-wise, not physically, but um, just in terms of the way he approaches issues and the way he speaks. He looks more like a traditional political candidate. Anybody does compared to Trump. And and by putting that out there and letting everybody see it, although as I predicted, really it was a snooze fest and nobody really nobody really cared at the end of the day. But by putting him out there and making him he looked more presidential. And I think the contrast to Trump at the end of the day hurts Trump and causes traditional Republican voters out there to scratch their heads and say what the heck did we do here? Like, we could have had a guy like him, a person like him. What, like, what are we doing? So I think they lost by winning. So it's interesting because, you know, we, when we think about presidential, I mean, vice presidential debates, 
we think about it really in, in two contexts. One, prosecute the case of the other guy, right? So Tim Kaine's job, we might argue, was prosecute the case against Donald Trump. Don't really worry about anything else. And in Mike Pence's case, it was prosecute the case against Hillary Clinton, but also help us begin to understand whether there is any defense to Donald Trump. And Mark, you said in, in, in your initial comments, look, he really didn't defend Trump. There, there are two vice presidential debates that come to mind as having moved the needle a little bit in, in the winner's direction. In 2004, Dick Cheney, won the debate against John Edwards. In 2012, Joe Biden won the debate against Paul Ryan. Each of those was a little consequential because of a couple of things. Number one, the incumbent president of the United States had gone into the first debate ahead and came out behind because of a bad performance by Bush and Obama, respectively. Number two, the vice presidential nominee for the president's side was the vice president of the United States, was not the governor of Indiana or senator from Virginia, but mostly the difference in those debates from last night is the vice president in each of those debates vigorously and successfully defended the president. Mike Pence did not vigorously or successfully defend Donald Trump. From what I have heard in all the commentary, he didn't much defend him at all. And that's why I don't think this fits the mold of vice presidential debates that have mattered and even those mattered only until the second presidential debate. Right. Well, it's interesting because Tim Kaine, I want to talk about tactics a little bit because certainly there was some strategy um, to, to Mike Pence's approach, although we may not really ever understand in his mind what, whether, he was, whether he thought that his, the, the, the style in which he presented himself, which I actually think was particularly effective compared to the style of Kane, and I'll mm -hmm. come to that. Um, but the substance was a little thin insofar as there were, there were obvious contradictions with, with, Trump's, with some of Trump's policy positions, most notably, on, most notably on Russia. There was not an effective or vigorous defense of why he wouldn't release his tax returns. Um, I think some real missed opportunities by, by Pence to draw very stark and, and, and pointed critiques um, with with Hillary Clinton, that the Trump Pence ticket just hasn't really gotten debate prep right. Um, but I'm not sure Tim Kaine got it right either last night, Howard. And I want to come I want to come back to that. Tim Kaine mentioned Donald Trump's name 160 times <laughs> in that debate, which he doubled up the number of times that that Pence Pence mentioned Hillary Clinton's name. But tactically, you. You weren't particularly a fan of the way Kane approached this debate, um, in the sense of what the ramifications are going into the next presidential debate. Is this really a? Do we forget about this by the close of business today? 
Absolutely. Yeah. And by Sunday night, it's a distant memory. Right. No one's going to remember this or care. I think more than any election in, I guess, our lifetimes, um, this is about the top of the ticket. And it's, n and it's not about substance. It's about ethics and personality, um, not in that order. And um, that's what's going to determine what people do and the, what people are interested like in. The weather will literally have more of an impact right. on this election right. this week mm -hmm. than the vice presidential debate. Hurricane Matthew is going to slam North Carolina point, yeah. where early voting is going on will obviously depress right. turnout, not ultimately, we hope, but that will be more consequential than the vice presidential debate. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really, really interesting. Well, as I we mean, kinda, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, just one more comment, Blake, and it's, as we said in our call last week, look, this ultimately comes down to getting out the vote. And did either of those guys last night either draw people off of their couches or keep them there? No. Right. I mean, I, this was this was one of the things, you know, I was I was talking to a friend of mine last night and and, you know, after about after about 20 minutes, you know, I said something to the effect of the only people who are watching this are either political junkies or, right. you know, people who are just sort of in it because they know what they're going to do. The undecided voter. Um, of, and, of which there are 11. Right. Country. Yeah, right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, right. Is is no longer is no longer uh, either they've changed the channel or or they just simply don't care anymore about this and i think part of that was the the format which was was uncomfortable i find these seated debates to be generally just awkward i don't i don't really i can't really grasp why we've decided that every vice presidential debate has to be a, a seated table debate now we've had several of them over these cycles although the biden um the biden palin debate was was not that but i think it's awkward too i, I don't think the i think the moderator was lost i mean in the in the context of how of how combative tim kane you know came in d decided to be i think that's mm -hmm. that's tough for any moderator it was particularly tough last night and i think the the notion that every time mike pence opened his mouth kane stepped in to interrupt, I think just made it very difficult. Mark, that's what I said to you earlier, from just a viewership perspective, just hard to watch because it was, there's so much talking over each other, so much, so much interrupting in a way that you finally just, you know, sort of, it wasn't even high school. I mean, it was worse than that at times, um, I thought. Um, but I certainly didn't think that after very long, there was one undecided voter still watching that debate. They might have tuned in at the beginning. Well, but as we said before, we are interested in undecided voters in 10 states, yeah. maybe not even any more 10 states. And in those 10 states, there are maybe 10% actually undecided. And my thesis is that only 11 of those 10% in 10 states are actually undecided about whether to vote for Clinton or Trump. It's unimaginable that at this point anybody is choosing between those two. 
the 10% who are undecided in 10 states that matter are trying to decide whether to vote at all. Yeah. And that goes to the turnout point that, that Howard made. So when you drill down and drill down and drill down, there just weren't people watching that who are going to be meaningful to this election. The irony is that you have two of the oldest candidates um, we've ever had for president of the United States. And if anything, the vice presidential selection actually matters. I mean, it matters. Yeah. But yeah. but this isn't going to determine yeah, and, and, whether and, you vote, as Mark says, or Right. And, and how. sort of a nice segue, because we, we, we previewed this a little bit when we began the call, and Mark, nice, nice setup here, as always, to sort of what's happening out in the states, um, because we have seen some movement um, out in the states, and I want to talk about that as kind of a preview to this next, to the next presidential debate, which will happen on Sunday. We've got poll. We've got we've got a new poll out out in Florida showing Hillary Clinton now up five, which is outside the margin of error. She's she hasn't been outside the margin of error in Florida in a very long time. Uh, we've got a new poll out in Colorado. Hillary Clinton now double digit lead in Colorado. Um, a poll in North Carolina still very very close, but she's now taken a slight two point lead, and that Senate race has gotten really tight. Really tight. And I want to come. I want to talk about the Senate a little bit today too. Pennsylvania, two polls, Hillary up nine, Hillary up 10. Um, and the only place where Trump seems to be holding his ground uh, is in Ohio. Um, but if you look at the electoral map, um, I mean, the way, it's, the way it sets up right now, Nevada, Colorado, Florida, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, um, that's really the tried and true Battleground, maybe Ohio, for well, to a degree, but 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 these numbers, Mark, are are pretty encouraging. If you're Hillary Clinton, the Trump campaign knows it's not going to win Pennsylvania. Clinton is going to win Pennsylvania. She was always going to win Pennsylvania, although it closed considerably. But I don't think there's a path to 270 for Donald Trump through Pennsylvania, and I think they know that. There are many paths to 270 for Secretary Clinton, and they all go through Pennsylvania, which, which she is going to win. But it's still, Blake, a year in which nothing has gone according to precedent and plan. And I think it's way too early to conclude that Colorado, for example, right. is off the table. It's Colorado's been for reasons I have no understanding of, has been very bouncy. Right, this, right, this yeah, that's, that's why I was surprised it by this. It goes from double digits right. to Trump's right. ahead to double digits. Right. Uh, and I wouldn't I wouldn't take that or, or a lot of these places off the map yet, right. but I'm taking Pennsylvania off the map this morning. <laughs> well, it's, it, it is interesting, Howard, because if you, if we, if we do look at, if we do look at the map, and, mm -hmm. and for for purposes of argument, you know, give the give the Romney states to 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 Trump minus North Carolina because that's that really is close. But but credit him with Ohio, um, where he really has. I mean, his lead has been pretty consistent and sustained. The the Clinton campaign certainly not not pulling out of Ohio, but but that Senate race seems certainly gone for for the Democrats. Um, and Ohio looking looking pretty steady for Trump. 
that puts him at 216 electoral votes. Um, Hillary at 243. If you if you if you give her the the Obama states and then leave your toss ups being Florida, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, um, Colorado, and, and Nevada, she wins Pennsylvania. That puts her at 263, right? Which means that all she has to do is win Colorado, and this is over. Um, but she could also win Pennsylvania and Nevada, be at 269, not get there. Um, Trump's got to win Florida, no question about it. There is there is no path to 270 for Donald Trump without Florida. Um, there is, as it stands right now, though, really no path for Donald Trump if Pennsylvania is off the table. Mark, as you have said, and certainly polling would suggest that's that's right. She has maintained a steady, a very steady lead in Pennsylvania for a while. Now it just seems to be getting bigger. I do think a testament to to her ground game here as well in the organization. Mm -hmm. But Trump's going to have to win Florida. He's going to have to win North Carolina. He's going to have to win Colorado. And he's going to have to win Nevada. That's how he wins. Um, not outside the realm of, of, the, of statistically possible because of the volatility that we have seen in these polls. But as people sort of, I hear this all the time, they're like, where, where do I concentrate my attention? Where, where do I really look? And, and that seems to be the the sort of bank shot that, that Trump has to hit. He's got to hit Florida or he's out. He's yep. got to hit North Carolina or he's out. Um, and then Nevada and Colorado got to break his I run. mean, he's running a momentum campaign. He has no ground game. He is not playing it that way. So, yeah, I mean, I guess he can direct whatever ad dollars he spends to certain places and he can show up certain places, but... I think his campaign rise, rises and falls based on the kind of national media, media momentum he's, he generates. There's no question in my mind sitting here today, and it's been the case throughout the campaign from primary season until now, you'd rather be Hillary Rodham Clinton than Donald J. Trump today. But in the context of the electoral map. In the context of, of who's going to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in life, <laughs> Maybe, that might be a tougher question. Yeah, but, it's a different analysis. Um, but um, she's more likely to win. But by no means is this over. Yeah. And if we accept the premise that Mark, both you and I have articulated, that um, I don't know who's hanging out. I don't know anybody hanging out on the fence, but. You know, maybe they're out there. How do the polls flip so quickly? And who is hanging out on the fence? Well, a lot of volatility. I mean, I, that's what, no, that's but, what I just, I struggle with, to your point, Howard, is, and, and would love both of your perspectives because they're... The, I just don't just, believe the polls. Yeah. Well, okay. But this, this, this However, gets us to, this gets us to the point of reliability, right? I mean, yeah, we're, and we've seen in other places where, be careful how much stock you put in put in this data just go right. ask eric canner for example right um sure go ask right the brits well right that, that was gonna <laughs> be the more yeah the, the bigger one but there's a fact of this cycle's polling that i think is very reliable and and very consequential and that is that the polls go up and down when clinton goes up and down Trump stays where he is. Trump is always plus or minus 40 in all these polls. He's never been 
in any of these mm -hmm. swing state polls that we're looking at. He's never been above 43. He has been at 37, 38 in some of them, but the average has been plus or minus 40 throughout. If, yeah, there are five weeks left, anything can happen, it's still close, way too early, way too early to call the election, but he has to get above 40 to win because the third party vote is going down and that's how Hillary is going up. The action in the polls is Trump is locked at plus or minus 40. People who say they aren't voting are beginning to say they are and they're voting for her. And people who said they were voting for Johnson or Stein are beginning to say they're voting for her and that's how she's going up. So 40 isn't gonna win it. 44, 45, that, that may be right. enough to get elected president. I think the most consequential poll number for this election is President Obama's approval rating, mm -hmm. which has steadily increased and is now reliably north of 50%. Right. And at the end of the day, when, when, the, when they write the history, and gosh, <laughs> I want to see all the movies and read all the books, right. um, she's running for a third Obama term, like you've said many times, Mark, and that is what is going to carry, most likely to carry the day for her. Now, it didn't entirely help yesterday when <laughs> former President Clinton threw current President <laughs> Obama under the bus, what? but maybe that was intentional also, who knows? Well, let me, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about that. intentional on Bill Clinton's part. I don't think it was planned in Brooklyn. <laughs> well, well, it's. I mean, Howard, to to your point about about President Obama's approval rating, you know, it was released yesterday that he's going to spend roughly two days a week campaigning for Hillary Clinton between now and Election Day. Um, we haven't talked about Michelle Obama, who uh, over the course of the last couple of days has given some just phenomenal, phenomenal speech um, uh, for. Talking about Hillary Clinton, so I think we consider them and consider them in context. But you also have on the other side of that, we talk about the positives. We can talk about the negatives. We did have Bill Clinton's comments um, about the Affordable Care Act, uh, which generated a lot of headlines. Which, in not not saying that the Trump campaign is with it enough to do anything substantive, but you could imagine an effective attack ad that was. That, that could be generated um, with those comments. Um, so there's still still some Republicans are looking at looking at trying to see some of that momentum back based on what happens with surrogates and other people. And I offer this as kind of a segue to Sunday night because Trump's got that national that the national spotlight once again to try and deal with the challenges that, that he seems to create for himself, which are much more significant, I think, than, than any of the challenges coming out of sort of the Clinton universe. Well, I just want to say this about what Bill Clinton said yesterday, which was dumb, obviously it was dumb. He's walked it back and said that it was dumb. 
but it could have been worse. <laughs> we, we've all been waiting the whole election cycle for this to happen, and I feared it was going to happen in an even worse way. The, the people out there, I keep coming back to this again and again and again, the people out there who are going to matter, the undecideds who are trying to decide whether to vote, in we're now down to four or five states, don't care what Bill Clinton says about the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. That, they're against it too. Right. They are almost certainly against it too. Well, that's why, yes, it was likely stupid and unintentional from the perspective of the campaign, but in the warped world that we live in every day, maybe they were saying that because they wanted to telegraph to people on the other side of the aisle, um, hey, everything's open. The well, thing you hate I, the most? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah I but, mean, that's warped and, and cynical, but possible. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure that you're wrong because, I mean, I mean, no, that I, is Felicia well, tells I think, me that well, all the time. Not to. <laughs> <laughs> I, but then eventually, I just hear that's right. I just hear I'm wrong. That's 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 what I get. But we'll figure it out. We have to come back to our Felicia focus group because, exactly because that's really going to tell us how this election is going to go. But 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 in you know in all honesty, if you look at what and and not to get in the weeds on the Affordable Care Act, but because this is such a potent political issue, and because the Republicans are talking about it, and because it is driving headlines. I think that it's worth recognizing that to a degree, there's not, take the word crazy, if the word crazy had not been used, that this is not a, as big of a problem because you do have both President Obama having said many times, look, it's, there, there are improvements that need to be made. We expected right. that more young, healthy people would come into the system through the exchanges. That hasn't happened. People who are buying health insurance are in fact sicker and and the costs are higher. We've got to deal with that. And here's some ideas to deal with that. Hillary Clinton has pretty much said the same thing. And I think if we take, and it's hard not to because in political speak, you know, words matter and that's what drives headlines. And so th this was this was not, not particularly helpful in that regard, but not, terribly in not actually inconsistent i think with where the president is where hillary is and i think where moderate republicans are they can't get a hearing on substantive changes to the affordable care act because repeal and replace is the only thing that they've the republicans have been have been focused on 40 some odd times over the last whatever um but i do think not to be cynical howard i think to be practical that you you do take some of the some of the inflammatory elements of the Affordable Care Act out of the equation if you're willing to say it's not perfect and there are things that we need we need to work yeah. on. Not necessarily yeah. the speech I would give to do that, um, but I but I did I, I I think that at the same time um, there is uh, there is some some reality there of this is these things have got to be addressed. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see. Well, it's a nice segue to to the to what to Sunday night. Um, Donald Trump. If you we've talked about this in the context of the polls, not not headed in the direction that that he wants to be headed. 
really tough week leading into this vice presidential debate. Uh, your, your, your collective analysis that, that last night, to the extent it mattered at all, was also bad for Trump. Um, and again, the, the news today, and I was talking to someone else about this yesterday, of Trump has the tendency to, to overshadow anything good Pence might do. He could either do that because he says something foolish on Twitter or because, you know, information begins to come out that he's just displeased because Pence, Pence looks good. Mark, to your, to your point, I, I, I think there's a, certainly a lot of truth to that, especially if we see what John Harwood tweeted um, almost immediately after the, the debate, saying exactly what, what you said, Mark, which is Trump's not happy with his own VP candidate. And we know Trump's never really been particularly enthusiastic about Pence, as the things that we've talked about in that selection. But be that as it may, Howard's always right. People vote for the top of the ticket. The top of the ticket comes together um, on Sunday night. What uh, interesting, interesting insofar as we have two debate moderators uh, this time, and they seem to not be able to get along if you read the internet today. The, the, boy, we should just have a call about how to pick a good debate moderator because I'm not sure this, this group got, got it right at all. Um, but you got two debate moderators in a town hall format. Um, dare I say it, Howard, an enormous moment for Trump. What, what's he going to do? What, what can he do? To, to to deal with to deal with his current circumstance, he's got to hammer Hillary on her negatives. Yeah, I mean he's just got to um, foundation ethics. He's just got to hammer her on everything that she's vulnerable on 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 the emails and right, wrong, or indifferent. I mean he's got to be everything from Benghazi to. To the emails, which are of course related, because we wouldn't have them, but for the Benghazi investigation, she he's got to just he's got to just hammer her, and she has to do what she did in the first debate, which is undercut the narrative of his around his success. His entire campaign from the beginning of the primary season until now is premised on. Him having built a quote great company and having him, having been very successful, and what she did so effectively in the first debate was undercut the success narrative. And she's just got to. That's their playbook. Mm -hmm. They've been running it the whole general cycle. They've got to continue to run it and just hammer away at him on that. Mark, thoughts about the debate Sunday night? Hillary Clinton can't sit on her lead. My concern is that she will be more defensive and protective of her lead than the last debate where all the pressure was on her, where she had to turn it around, and she did. She should come out just as she did last time. I think she has to do, as Howard is saying, what she did last time, undermining his story as a success which gets under his skin and then Trump does her work for her and also the temperament point I think the closing argument for the Clinton campaign is going to be you can't give this guy the nuclear code I think it's going to be that direct and I think it's going to be that stark because another 
another constant in the polling, whatever you think of the polling as a predictor, that some of the numbers have just simply never changed. And one of the numbers that has never changed, fascinating but never changed, is that a majority of the people who say they are likely to vote for Trump say he doesn't have the temperament to be president. So if they think that, the very few undecideds that this is all addressed to are bound to think the same. And, and I think that's her, her closing argument. But, but don't, don't sit on this lead. Well, Howard, the information that we're, we're hearing and seeing is that, that despite the, the story uh, after the first debate of practice, 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 Trump may, in fact, may not be doing much of that at all and may be taking a similar uh, approach to this debate um, that he took in the first one, which I, I can only sum up as just, you know, show up and wing it, um, seems to be a very big risk to that campaign if he is not prepared to, dare I say it, prosecute the case against Hillary Clinton. He could not do that in the first debate. He got too flustered. Um, she got under his skin early, as Mark, I think you you predicted would both would happen and needed to happen to throw Trump off his game. Um, but you've been thinking about, about the this debate and 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 what where Hillary's challenges are versus yeah. where Trump's Trump's strengths are. You know, to Mark's point, I mean, she has previewed what her strategy is. They are one debate. The Trump campaign yeah. is one debate smarter, even if they are <laughs> farther behind. Um, so that it creates an intriguing dynamic. Well, I think you're right to point out the format, Blake, because I think that makes a big difference here in terms of um, how this plays out and you know one of the things I think I said a couple of calls ago is that um, the reason he still has a chance is that every time he opens his mouth people want to hear what he has to say whether it's good or yeah. bad and that's that's still the case that will always be the case and it's not the case with her and I think the fact that I, I my expectation is that um, she's going to get some very tough questions from the audience that she is going to be put on the defensive as much or more by the audience right. than she will mm -hmm. by Trump. And then if Trump has any debate strategy whatsoever, which is questionable, um, she's going to be asked tough questions about um, trust. And he's going to be able to follow up and just hammer her if he's smart about it. And, and conversely, the questions that he gets, I just I don't see them being as hard. I think he may get questions about, this is um, perverse, but he may get questions about actual policy, like trade and immigration. And I think he's, my point is he's gonna have more, I think he is gonna have more of an opportunity on Sunday night to speak about his positives than, than she is. I expect her to be on the defensive all night. Well, it'll, it, I mean. I don't know, I mean well, that's. Well, I think a couple of things. 
one, it'll be real interesting to see how many people watch this. Yeah. I, I don't, it's must-see TV, but I wonder if it will be as many people as watched the first mm-hmm. debate. Now, the first debate was competing with Monday night football. This is competing with Sunday night football. So there, there's alternative television. But I'll be surprised if it is as many people, uh, although it's must-see TV, I agree, and, and it'll be a lot of people. But I think that one difference, because of the format and because of the moderators, that is to Clinton's advantage is, I think there's going to be real-time fact-checking going on in this debate. And yes, maybe Trump will get policy questions. It almost doesn't matter what the question is. He's going to be challenged to be factual. And I think the moderators here are far more likely than Lester Holt was to to try to hold him to the facts. And we'll see. It's, It's a completely different dynamic and completely different format. The conventional wisdom is that it works to her advantage. But there's nothing conventional about right. Trump. We, we won't know until we watch. Right, right. Um, well, it certainly will be interesting. Howard, any, any final thoughts as we, as we turn the corner away from, from the VP debate and get, get excited for Trump-Clinton round two? I mean, my biggest thought right now, Blake, is how I'm supposed to balance Giants-Packers versus yeah. the debate. Right. So, it is a particularly difficult um, situation for you. That's it, exactly it is, right. so that's what I'm thinking about. Well, yeah. Did you watch Thursday Night Football? I did not. That would, I'm sorry, not Thursday night. Mon- Monday night. Yes, Monday night, football. Monday night yeah, made it yeah. made it easier. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. That's what I meant. Um, I think one final thought: um, Trump is running out of time. Now, again, again, anything can happen here. He can win Florida, North Carolina, Nevada, and Colorado, and be the president. That can happen, but. He is running out of time because of this early voting. That's the drum I keep banging. Right, right. By election day, 40% of the votes will have been cast. Every single day, people are going to the polls and voting. And he doesn't really have until November 8th to catch up. Is is my point. Well, I think that's exactly right. And Mark, it's it's as we as we kind of turn because I want to I want to touch on before we before we end the call, kind of what's going on on the Senate side because of the correlation between um, what we're seeing in presidential and what the Senate's going to look like, and kind of preview some stuff that we may be putting out um, over the course of the next next you know two weeks um, for folks about about that. But um, but but you you touched on Hurricane Matthew and the impact in North Carolina. Um, you know, Trump yesterday was in Arizona uh, before he ended up in Nevada to watch the debate. Uh, Hillary had surrogates in, I mean, high-profile surrogates in every battleground state that we talk, we've already talked about yesterday. Trump was hanging out in Arizona. Um, decided to spend his debate time, you know, live tweeting. Um, when I think I remarked at one point, get thee to Florida. Um <laughs> But, um, but, but really, really interesting, the fact that early voting is not to be discounted as a, as a factor, a serious factor, and you pointed that out in this race. And I think where you begin to see 
encouragement if you're the Clinton campaign as these polls begin to tick up? Is that a sign of a momentum trend from an early voting perspective? It can come back around um, by the time Election Day holds up. But if if someone's caught that, made that decision, they're a, they're a, they're a, they were a Jill Stein voter and then they think, what am I doing? I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton, right? Their vote's locked in. It's, it's already done. So I think early voting, uh, the, next time, the next time we talk, we'll get into that more. I think we'll have some, we'll have some data and, and, and really, really take a look at that. But I, wanna, I really want to end the call just kind of with a quick touch in on the Senate because, mm-hmm. because we haven't talked about it in a while. And there, there is a lot going on out there. And a lot of the states that, that we're talking about in terms of swing states have Senate races that, um, that, that may break the way of, of the top of the ticket, but also may not break that way. Um, and, and, you know, Mark, I just want to do a quick rundown. Obviously, 54-46 in favor of the Republicans, Democrats, either plus four, plus the White House, or plus five. Um, it looks like uh, Illinois, which is which the Republican seat, is going to go dim, and Wisconsin, a Republican right. seat, so are going to go dim. I think you can, we can, Illinois we're pretty confident goes dim. in those. Wisconsin goes dim. Indiana no, and that's, goes dim. Right, Indiana, where Evan Bayes is, is so running. So that's three. So that's three. And then we get to New Hampshire. New Hampshire, Maggie Hassan beats Kelly Ayotte after her debate and her debate debacle. Right, yep. That's exactly Trump. Trump is Trump a role model. That stuff matters in New Hampshire. Yep. I believe. And then the question is Pennsylvania. Right. Because we may lose Nevada. Right. I was So those say, yep. those are the the six states except take Illinois, Wisconsin and Indiana off. You've got the control for the Senate is going to be determined in Nevada, New Hampshire and Pennsylvania. Right. Democrats have to win two of those three. Right. And North Carolina actually getting a little closer, whether it stays that way or not. But as right. you talk about with with an odd dynamic like a hurricane affecting right. what's right. going on, you kind of you, you do throw caution to the wind, whether that inures to to Burr's benefit, the incumbent Republican, or whether it inures to the challenger. But you've got a you've got an, in North Carolina, you've also got a gubernatorial race where uh, the Attorney General Roy Cooper is yeah. you know, running for governor. It seems to be doing pretty well. Um, and then, and then the dynamic of the presidential. So uh, maybe still a pretty tough call for the Democrats, but because of what's going on with the weather, um, we're, worth talking about. And 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 I think the other thing that 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 I'd point out, it doesn't seem likely in the context of the presidential, but in Missouri, we haven't seen a poll in that Senate race in a month. And Jason Kander, who's the state treasurer, um, has run a series of really interesting. Ads, best one of ads which I've ever seen. best ads. I'm telling you, if yeah. anybody is thinking about running for public office, who's oh, doing his? Not everybody can Absolutely, but I point out that also there the uh, the Attorney General, a Democrat, Chris Coster, run ahead of his opponent for governor. Right. Um, I mean, certainly Hillary Clinton, not was really employed, at least not since working about this, but two races down the tip that, I mean, down the sort of the list where, where I think it, it's still enough to pay attention. I want to touch on Howard, any, any thoughts, reactions to the Senate map? I think the invitation is whoever was at the, tip yeah. of the Senate. Um, my point is that though obviously you want to be majority, not the minority, that in the next Congress, the minority, assuming my first three is correct, minority in the United States Senate is the most powerful is, is, let me put it this way, incredibly important. 
Donald manages in president, and as expect, I expect, the Democrats do not control the Senate. Obviously, no one's going to get near 60 votes. Um, that's right. And and the Democrats in the United Senate with the Trump presidency are incredibly powerful, incredibly important. And in a presidency, it's, it's the same. The Republicans on it. Obviously, you'd rather the Democrats than the public. The Republicans are going to be incredibly powerful in the United States because they have the ability to um, stop things from going ahead. They, I mean, they, they have the ability to stop things from going ahead, and that's really the control um, on, on the. I mean, right. I mean, man, I think based on based on what I'm hearing from you, that's still no matter how this out is a very narrow majority for either party, depending on, depending on what happens, which certainly makes minority incredibly low powered as, as well. Look, we'll, we'll follow and keep talking on Sunday night. We'll, we'll provide, uh, we'll provide all sorts of interesting, um, just for our next call is on Monday. Um, and in the mountain, certainly it hurts to New York Giants find a way to beat Aaron Rodgers, who I figured out the season. Um, and, and of course. he's a pretty good quarterback. He struggled, but, but you need to win that because Mark Stelfia Eagles play the Detroit Lions and Philadelphia's three and up. The everybody Mark Stelfia Eagles. Three undefeated teams in NFL. Yeah. One of them is not. <laughs> so we'll, we'll just your not the arc of it's funny. No, that's <laughs> yes, that's incredible. That's true. But we're exceeding expectations, but Eagles. Uh, until then, certainly the debate going on. Thanks to everybody for and for those of you who have been of our all of us on iTunes. The to the Oval Off Cat. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Because because you still need ten more. My point is nothing is ever there. There's never a yeah. tie debate because you'll have a Republican House. It doesn't entirely hold you on Thank the you. side. But. Well. The minority in both chambers is going to be very important because Ryan won't be able to pass him without Democrats. Um, we'll have an even more governable majority in the House. Probably yes, ballot. Point. You think about like college that you never look at this yeah, yet. Yeah. On the one hand, it's, it's real hard to win. On the other hand, it's a four states. Four states. And in the states today, three of them are in the market, right, right. which is sinking for time. Yeah, that's what's, that's what's about it. That's why I come to, to the till holes because it's. I think it's hard for him to make it even worse.